Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Good morning, Revo. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for crashing the party this morning and being with us here. Um, if you missed it last week, we kicked off a brand new teaching series through the book of Jonah. Jonah is one of those stories where e- even if you didn't grow up in church, like even if you didn't grow up reading the Bible, maybe this is your first time in church for in a long time. And if that's so, man, we are so glad that you're here. It is an honor for us uh, that, that you would come and be our guest. But we kicked off this story that, uh, boil it down, a guy got swallowed by a whale, okay? Like, that's big news right there. A guy got swallowed by a whale. His name was Jonah. Here's the backstory. Here's what we learned in case you missed last week. Uh, we learned that um, God looked down at Jonah. Jonah was a, a pastor. He was a preacher, a prophet. And uh, God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach the word. Here's the problem, though. Nineveh was known for being a terrorist region. Um, if you were a follower of God and they caught you in Nineveh, they'd cut your head off. They would skin you alive. And so, surprisingly, Jonah said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. Nineveh, not going to happen, God. Don't want to do it. Here's what we learned. When God says go and you say no, you're going to find yourself in a really tough spot. Jonah found himself in a really tough spot, and so he decided he would run from God. He played a little game of hide-and-seek with God. Now, we laugh at that, but Jonah tried to do it. He, uh, he hopped on a boat, and I love that Scripture includes this. When he was on the shore getting on the boat, Scripture says Jonah had to personally pay the money to get on the boat to run from God. Here's another lesson we learned that if you and I say no and want to run from God, it will cost you. Like, no doubt about it, it is going to cost you. It'll cost you time, it'll cost you money, it'll cost you relationships, it'll cost you joy and happiness and influence. If you and I choose to say no to God, which is free will, you and I can choose either way today, then it is going to cost you when you say no to God. Jonah ended up having to pay the fare to go to Tarshish. He jumped on the boat, said, ha ha, I'm going to outsmart you, God. You call me to go 500 miles north to Nineveh. I'm going to go 2,500 miles south to Tarshish. You're not going to be able to find me. He played a game of hide and seek. Here's what we learned, though. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. It was crazy for Jonah to think that he could outrun God, but he hopped on a boat, got in the bottom of it, and fell asleep, convinced that God was not going to be able to find him. Surprise, surprise, God found him. God actually sent a storm to the middle of the ocean where Jonah was. The boat was getting tossed to and fro. Another little hint, if you and I say no to God, expect stormy weather in your life. Don't be surprised when the waves get big. Don't be surprised when you face struggle. Don't be surprised when life gets really hard, when you and I make the conscious decision to say no to God when he says go. And then finally, what we learned is right right when we left off the story, right when we hit the pause button last week, Every sailor inside the boat was losing their mind. They were really, really scared. They didn't know what was going on. God, why is it storming? God, what are we going to do? Like, I I don't know what it is. And they looked at Jonah and said, do you know why God is so mad? And Jonah's like, yeah, actually, I'm running from God. I said, no. And we learned this, that when you and I say no to God, it not only puts you in harm's way, 
But the people in your life, it can endanger. The people in your life can face struggles and pains. Now, let me flip it around like this, because hopefully this will help some people in here today. Your life may be in pain and struggle right now. You may find yourself in the middle of a storm, and you did absolutely nothing wrong. But you know what happened? You let somebody in your boat. The sailors, they let, what they do? They let Jonah get in their boat. And maybe you're facing hardship. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm and you, were, you did absolutely everything right. And you're looking around and God's like, you're looking at God saying, what's up? What's going on? I'm struggling. What's the deal here? And God's like, look who you let in your boat. Like, look at the, you opened up your life. Look at the people you let in. Look at the people you're hanging out with. Listen to the, to the people that you're listening to. Hey, maybe one of the best things you could do this morning is to pick up your phone right now and text somebody and say, hey, get out of my boat. We'll talk about it later. Hashtag Jonah Revo. <laughs> my pastor said, you need to get out my boat, so get out my boat. I'm tired of being in the middle of the storm. And we left off last week. We hit pause, but maybe on the, the climax of chapter 1 in verse 17. And I, I want to read this verse together again to you. Here's what Scripture says. It says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish Three days and three nights. Let's go ahead and address the whale in the room right now. Anybody with me on this page where you read that verse and say, did that really happen? I mean, come on. Did, that re- did a man just get swallowed by a whale? Did that really happen? And I know this is what the Bible says, but is it a fable? Is this just a story where... The author says, hey, I'm going to write this story out, but you know, I'm going to embellish the details a little bit because that would be a good story to tell, right? And it didn't really happen, but I'm trying to make a point here, right? And so if I stretch the truth, if I make it bombastic, if I go over the top, then it just makes the story better, and you understand that it's not real, it's over the top. I made it all up, it's just for pretend, but, but it'll teach a good lesson. Is that, is, did this story really happen? Well, I was doing some research this week, and let me tell you a story that I ran across. Um, It's the year 1891, and there was a man by the name of James Bartley. True story. You can look it up. James Bartley was a whaler, and he and his fleet of ships were outside of the Falcon Islands, and a huge storm came up, and actually one of the ships capsized. Two men fell off of the ship. James Bartley was one of them. Well, in the midst of the storm, like the weather was so bad and the conditions were so bad that everyone on the boat automatically assumed that both of the men perished. There's no, absolutely no way that these men could have survived. They found one body, it had drowned, they pulled it back up, but they never found James Bartley's body. Just assumed he was dead, never see him again. 18 hours later, this whaling fleet harpoons a whale. They pull the whale up onto the ship, 1891, off the Falcon Islands. They pull it up. Here's the problem, though. The weather is so warm, they're nervous that they're going to lose the whale meat. It's going to spoil before they can get to shore. So they begin to process the whale on the deck of the ship just to save the meat, just to make the money. Guess what they see when they cut open the stomach of the whale? Fish, okay, because that's what whales eat. Come on, that's... James. <laughs> no, just kidding. Inside, 18 hours later, they find James Bartley. He's unconscious. 
18 hours in the, the belly of a whale, and here's what they wrote down that they saw. His skin was a really, really deep yellow because whales have a high volume of vitamin A in their bloodstream, and the exposure to the vitamin A in their skin caused his skin to turn a really dark yellow. When they pulled him out of the whale's stomach, he was completely hairless. All the hair on his head, his arms, his leg, like he was just straight up slick. No hair on his body. Scientists say the acid in a whale's stomach is strong enough that in a matter of hours you will lose all of the hair on your body. He regained consciousness. He told his story of what had happened and continued to to have a, a prosperous life in the whaling industry. When he retired, he was actually hired by the Museum of Natural Science in London to lead an exhibit titled James Bartlett, A Modern Day Jonah. And hundreds of people would come every day just to hear James's harrowing tale of the time he slipped off the boat and stayed in the stomach of a whale for 18 hours. So not only is it feasible, it's actually happened multiple times that, that we have recorded. And that's, that's good, but I got some proof even more than that. Is this a real story? Jesus actually said that this really happened. Jesus mentions this. Let me read it to you. In Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the death that he is getting ready to die. And, and, and here's what Jesus said. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, do you think that Jesus would compare his real, absolute, authentic resurrection to a make-believe story? Like, that would be a poor comparison, right? I mean, mean, Jesus wouldn't say, hey, you remember that made-up, pretend, didn't-really-happen story? My resurrection is going to be just like that. (laughs) Of course not. Jesus even said, hey, this this happened, and just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, and on the third day he will rise again for our forgiveness, our salvation, and, and, and our hope. So the story is absolutely real. When we read this, that a man was swallowed, we need to understand it was a real God that sent a real man to a real place, and a real fish swallowed him for a real three days and three nights. So now begs the question, after three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, what do you do? Besides never want to eat fish again? You pray. Duh, right? I mean, I mean wouldn't, you, wouldn't you pray? Chapter 2 is about a prayer that Jonah prayed to God. And we're going to learn some things this morning about prayer and, and Jonah's prayer and how that can actually impact our prayer life. So I want to look at his prayer over these next 10 verses, over the next 20 minutes and 50 seconds. And we're going to look at three things that we can learn from Jonah's prayer life, three ways that this impacts us today. And so I want to read chapter 2, verse 1. After he's been in the well for three days and three nights, here's what happened. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed. Three days, three nights in the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed. I look at that and say, it's about time. What took you so long? Three days, three nights. I would have prayed, listen, trust me, I would have prayed a long time before that. 
I don't know what Jonah was waiting on. You, you want to know when I would have prayed? I would have prayed when I was in the bottom of the ship and the storm rolled up and the waves started rocking me. That's when I would have prayed. I would have prayed if I found myself on the top of the ship like Jonah was with the buddies holding my feet and arms, swinging me, getting ready to let me over the edge. That's when I'm saying some prayers. I'm saying some prayers when I hit the cold water and the wave comes over my head and I begin to drown. I'm saying some prayers when I look below me and there's a strangely large shadow swimming underneath me. I'm saying some prayers when I look down and a fish begins to open up his mouth to swallow me. I'm probably saying a curse word first and then I'm saying a prayer. I'm being 100% honest with you. I want to say that I would not do that, but I can't promise it. I'm saying a prayer as I'm sliding down the throat of the fish. I'm say, I am for sure saying a prayer as soon as I hit the stomach juices. No three days, no three nights. I'm not waiting around. Jonah waited three days and three nights, and then Scripture says, then Jonah prayed. Come on, man. Number one thing we can learn is when Jonah prayed. Let's pay attention to when Jonah prayed. Oftentimes, like I know we can laugh at, at this story, and we can tell ourselves that we would have prayed long before that, but, but you know we do the same thing, right? You know that we try everything that we know how to do first. We try every solution. If I'm in that well, I'm thinking, you know what? Next time that whale eats and I see the little light at the top, I'm climbing out. I'm climbing out. Hey, maybe if I tickle the whale's belly, it'll start to laugh and it'll spit me out. Like when you're drinking a drink and you start to laugh and you lose the drink, maybe that'll happen. Maybe if I just start slapping the whale's stomach, he'll get a tummy ache and, and he'll spit me out. We try everything on our own. We try all of our solutions. We think about all of our plans. The first thing that pops in our head, we'll try that, and then we'll, we'll go this way, and we'll do this. And, 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 and then here, here's what happens. At the end of the three days and the three nights when nothing works, what do we do? Pray. <laughs> we try to do it on our own first, and then when all else fails, then we tend to go to God. Let's flip that. Don't, don't be like Jonah. Instead of waiting to the very end, and saying, well, there's nothing else I can do. I've tried everything else. I guess I should just pray, like, like that's your last hope or something. <laughs> like, hey, I hope this works. Well, I guess we should just pray. Hey, what, what if we flip the script? What if in the situations that you and I face together in our lives, even if we had an answer, even if we thought I know what to do, even if we say, yeah, the answer in the, the next step is painfully and obviously clear, what if instead of going to God last we chose to go to God first. Instead of a last-ditch effort, please save me, I've tried everything else, what if we said, hey, God, I've got some ideas, but I just want to ask you, what's the best step? I want to ask you, what do I need to do next? I want, God, I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need to know what I need to do. But unfortunately for Jonah, he tried everything else before he tried God. He tried everything else before he actually prayed and sought after the only one that could help him. 
Hey, let, let's, let's flip that script. That's a, that's a way that we can move forward this morning and take a next step. Instead of God being a last-ditch effort, let's put God first. Let's go to him first. Let's seek him first. God, God actually gives us the invitation for this. Like, don't think you're putting God out or being an inconvenience. God actually asks us to do this. 1 Peter 5, 7 reads like this. Give all of your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. It doesn't say take all of your cares and worries and you work really hard to try to figure them out because you got yourself into this mess and now you need to figure out how you get yourself out. It says because God cares about you, bring all your cares and your worries to him first. Don't go to anybody else. Don't go to your mama. Don't go to your spouse. Don't go to your buddy. Don't go to the self-help book. Go to God. He cares about you. He cares about your needs and about your hurts. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are tired and have burdens, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, Jesus, the, the invitation's on the table. It's not going to surprise him. You're not going to be an inconvenience to him. He says, bring, bring it to me. Hey, you tired? You got stuff on your mind this morning? You're in the middle of a struggle? Just bring it to me. Bring it to me. I'm the only one that can help. I'm who you're looking for. And Jesus gives us that incredible promise. It's easy for us to say, I can't believe it took Jonah that long. <laughs> I just can't believe that he spent three days and three nights out of all he went through. And then he finally prayed. But the more I look at this story, I'm Jonah. I always try to do it first. I always try to figure it out. I always try everything on my own. Let's give it the old college try. And if I can't do it and I'm at my wit's end, then I'll pray and I'll ask God to bail me out. We got to switch that. Instead of going to God last, let's go to God first. Pay attention to when Jonah prayed. The second thing is this, how Jonah prayed. Man, where was Jonah at in his life? Like, how did he come to the point where he says, okay, you know what? It may be time to call out to God. Verse 2 reads like this. We see his prayer. I, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. How Jonah prayed. L listen to where he's at in his life. Tell me if this sounds familiar. And maybe you're there right now. Verse 2, Jonah says, I'm distressed and I'm alone. Nobody here but me. Ever been there before? Verse 3 says, I'm, I'm wet, I'm miserable, I'm tired, I'm beaten up, and I'm overwhelmed. Man, I feel like I've felt all five of those in the past five days. That's where Jonah was when he called out to God. That's how his life was when he ultimately prayed. You ever been there? You feeling overwhelmed right now? Feeling a little bit over your head? Feel like it's difficult? Feel like you're facing some stuff right now? Maybe it's time to call out to God and to pursue Him. 
Jonah makes an interesting observation here, and we do the same thing, unfortunately, in our life. He begins to cast the blame on someone else. He says, I have been driven away. I have been pushed out. I have been thrown into the bottom of the sea. You know what happens sometimes when our lives hit rock bottom? You know what our default is? It's time to blame somebody else. And Jonah blames God. You ever notice how we do that? Sometimes we'll look at God and we're in the middle of the storm. We're in the, we're in the bottom of the fish's belly in our life. And, and we look at God and say, God, why'd you let this happen? Seriously, why did you allow this to happen to my life? Why, why, do you not see me? Do you not know I'm down here? Do you even care? You should have done something about this. You should have prevented it. You should not have. Hey, look at that person back there. Like, their life's a lot better than mine, but I'm a better Christian than they are. Why are you letting this happen to them and not me? What's the deal? And, and sometimes when we say no, sometimes when we're living outside of the plan that God has for our life, we start to blame God when our life hits the storm. And Jonah began to look and say, you cast me out. You threw me down here. You pushed me away instead of understanding his role in where his situation was. Just be slow to blame God. Be slow to, to push that off and quick to first say, all right, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? How does my heart need to come back towards you? Not working to God, but saying yes to God. It's one of the things that Jonah needed to do. It kind of climaxed in verse 5. It says, uh, he woke up and, and seaweed was wrapped around his head. Can we just say that's a bad day? It's a bad day, man. Been in the well for three days and three nights. You wake up. It's dark in there. Probably stinks. And you're like, what is this? Seaweed. <laughs> Perfect. All right, God, I'm done. Right? I mean, I can put up with smell, but I'm not wearing this seaweed bandana anymore. Like, I'm done. you got to save me. Came to a point in his life where he said, this, uh, God, this is, life is bad. Why, God? Why am I in the bottom of the fish? I want you to notice something. It wasn't until Jonah got to his lowest spot that he decided to turn back to God. It wasn't until Jonah found his life as bad as it could get before he realized that he needed to turn back towards God. I don't know why we do this, but oftentimes we will allow our life to hit rock bottom before we turn back to God. We will continue to dig the hole. We will continue to try. We will continue to try to figure it out or earn it or do something different. And oftentimes we find ourselves at the very rock bottom before we look back up to God and say, all right, God, I give. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to turn. In what initially looks like God punishing Jonah was actually the greatest thing that could have ever happened to him. Hey, you may be in a spot right now where you're confusing God's provision for God's punishment. You, you may be in the bottom of the well, and all you can think about is how dark it is, and all you can think about is how bad it stinks, and all you can think about is, I'd rather be somewhere else. But God may have just done you the biggest favor he could ever do by bringing you to a point in your life where all you had left was him. And instead of seeing it as God's punishment, we look up and say, oh, Scripture says that God appointed the whale. God provided the fish to swallow up Jonah. 
sometimes we think, man, God is punishing me like I fell into the fish. I don't know why the fish is here. And God's looking up and said, hey, I provided that, not for your punishment, but for your provision. I provided for thee, not to show you that I'm far away, but to get you to turn your eyes back towards me and focus. It would have been difficult for Jonah at the time to realize that the bottom of the fish was actually the best place that he could be if that means we turn our focus and our eyes back towards God. It's what had to happen before Jonah prayed. So we look at when, we look at how his life fell apart, and then finally we look at the exact words that he prayed in verse 6. Check this out. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols, those people that worship false gods, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay, because salvation belongs to the Lord. Here's what Jonah prayed. God, I've looked in every other place, And there's nothing there. And now I realize all I have is you. God, I've looked for pain. I've looked for purpose. I've looked for saving. I've looked for salvation. I've looked for an open door. I've looked for a solution. And God, I've done relationships. I've done money. I've done career. I've done family. I've done all this other stuff to try to find purpose. And here's what it is. It's led me to a road that is empty And I find myself in a dark place, the same place I always am, when I'm looking for you in places other than you. So Jonah just makes an admission. God, I'm tired of looking. I'm tired of looking for joy and satisfaction in things that don't provide it. I'm tired of looking for salvation on my own. So now, God, I'm coming to you. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe for the past week, month, years, you've been looking for something. You've been searching. There's, there's something you're looking for. There's something you're searching for, some, some fulfillment, some satisfaction, some joy, some real purpose in life. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you're here this morning, because you've been looking, and you're looking for something that can only be found in Jesus. I'm glad you're here. You found it. You found what you were looking for. Jonah cried out to God and found exactly what he was looking for. Jonah makes an observation. He says, some people pray and call out to their idols. They pursue those things. Now, I want to be clear. Jonah was not in the belly of the whale with a bunch of little wooden idols worshiping them right at that moment. You want to know what Jonah's idol was? Jonah. He believed in himself. He trusted in himself. He thought he could get himself out of it. He thought he was the salvation. He was going to turn to himself no matter how bad it can get. My name's Jonah. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can get myself out of any situation. It's just going to take some time. I'll I'll keep grinding. And the, the idol that Jonah had to stop worshiping was himself. He says, but now I find salvation in Jesus. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice that thought and find him. Verse 10 reads like this. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Man, Jonah didn't even have time to say amen. (laughs) The prayer was over, and upon him turning back to God, it says, God made the fish spit Jonah out up onto the land. You know the crazy part of this story? The wind obeyed. 
The storms obeyed. The sea obeyed. The fish obeyed. And now finally the preacher obeys. Finally the pastor is saved from his own self. Everybody in the story now understands who God is and what he's done. You want to know where God put Jonah back? It says he spit him back on the shore. He spit him back on the beach. He spit him back on the dry land. Now what happened the last time Jonah was on the dry land? The dry land near the shore and the beach was the last place that Jonah was when he said no to God. So you know what God did? He caused the whale to spit Jonah back on the shore and said, Jonah, this was the place where you said no. So let me give you another chance. This was the last place that you decided to play hide and seek. So let me put you back right where we started. God could have caused that whale to spit Jonah 375 miles to Nineveh, save him the trip. But God brought him back to the place of his disobedience, not to rub it in his face, but to look at him filled with grace and compassion and love and say, I will give you another chance. Let's try it again. Come to me. Say yes to me and see what I can do with your life. Here's what I learned from Jonah's story. No matter how far you've run, no matter how many steps you've taken away, you are only one step away from returning to God. No matter how many miles you've been on the boat, no matter how many nights you've spent in the whale's stomach, you are one step away from God. Please don't give up on the God that has never given up on you. Maybe today you find yourself back on the shore. Maybe God brought you in here and said, hey, this is what I've called you to. Here's the way that you can say no. Now, you may have been running for a long time. You may have been saying no when God said go, but here we are. And God says, I'm a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness, and today could be the start of your second chance. And for some of you, your third and fifth and eighth. But God still says, I'll put you right back here. I'll pay the way. I'll forgive you. I'll open up the door. You're always welcome. What about saying yes today? Maybe that's your next step. After years of running, maybe today is about saying yes to Jesus. Maybe today was God orchestrating this day in this church, at this location, at this time, to bring you back to the shore for a second chance. And I pray you'll take that seriously this morning. Maybe you're like me and you look back on your life and you've seen times where you were running. You can remember times where you spent three days and three nights at the bottom of a place that you didn't want to be. And maybe your response this morning is this, just out of gratitude and out of worship, we, we give thanks to God because we're reminded today that in this story, you and I are Jonah. We're not the whale. We're not the God of second chances. We're Jonah. And we're standing here today because God has given us a second chance. So let's respond in worship to that. Let's give generously to the God of second chances, to the God that brings us back to our place of disobedience, not to yell at us, not to curse us out, not to be really mad at us and look down on us with a furrowed brow, but to say, how about another chance? 
How about another opportunity? Maybe today you're facing a hard season in your life and everything you can think of you've tried and you're still struggling, you're still in pain, still wanting to know, am I ever going to be able to get out of it? Maybe your response today is to cry out to God. Hey, maybe you tried everything else first. Maybe, maybe this is your last-ditch effort. Maybe prayer is the only thing you have left. But God is still open. God is still listening. Even when it's the last thing you do, you call out to a God with his arms wide open, a God of second chances, even to a reluctant prophet like Jonah.